What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goom-bahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. My guest on today's episode is Michael Lindley. He is the author of the Hannah and Alex mystery series, and his work inside of Ammo has enabled him to make ludicrous amounts of money, and I don't mind saying that because that's what we're here to do is delight readers and get more of them, and when that happens, the money follows. So really excited to share this conversation with you. I had mentioned last week that I am about to get you a special Monday episode to update you on some library affairs. I also just finished Readers, uh, excuse me, Writers at the Mill, uh, which was a farmer's market activity that was set up by my friend and fellow author, Margie Lucas. I've spoken about her before. I'm gonna go ahead and link her books in this episode if you wanna check her out. It was a fun, semi-successful public signing event. So I sold a grand total of eight paperback books. You might not think that that's a ton, and you'd be right. In fact, you're going to hear a really fun anecdote toward the end of this episode with Michael about the downsides of public events. But you know what? I was pretty happy with the outcome. I enjoyed spending some time with some local authors, and I look forward to doing similar things again. It trumped my experience at the coffee shop, which was the last time that Margie and I did a local signing event together, but it didn't quite rise to my experience at Block 16. So thanks to Block 16 beautiful restaurant. If you're ever in Omaha, you must, absolutely must go. Alton Brown calls it the best burger in Nebraska. Hands down, it's the best burger in Nebraska, and it's the best everything else in Nebraska as well. It's a great restaurant run with love, and they even love authors who come to them to partner for local events. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Michael Lindley. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. 
If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with enamel takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. Your books do pretty much all the speaking for you. There's not a ton of uh, social media presence or anything like that. You're available on all the platforms. Um, but it, my guess is, is that you have leaned pretty heavily into advertising in different ways to get your books in front of people. And I love that because it counters the popular notion right now that in order to make a, a decent money on your books and reach a large audience, you have to be a slave to Twitter and TikTok and all of those different platforms. Right. Uh, so do you see it that way? Do you lean heavily into advertising or are there things that I missed in my my looking into your writing career? No, I've uh, been very focused the last three years actually on Facebook advertising to drive yeah. traffic initially to uh, Amazon and all of my yeah. books on Amazon. And I was in Kindle Unlimited, so I was exclusive to Amazon. And uh, But more recently... I've uh, switched over to driving my Facebook ad traffic every day to my own Shopify store and uh, tremendous advantages to that is if you're involved in the YAML program, you, you're familiar with that. Yeah. I believe you're involved in the YAML program. Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. is, this yeah. is officially unofficially the ammo podcast actually. Um, yeah. And so Steve and I had a conversation on the side. I had a, a large audience listening into my marketing journey for my books along the way. And when I found Ammo, it was so much different than anything else I'd ever seen. And I, I'm not ashamed to say I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on other programs to try to get this to work. And Steve yeah. was the first time that it did work. And I guess, you know, here I'm plugging the program for you and you're going to plug the program as well. But what was really startling was how little it cost to actually join ammo. Um, now yeah. it's expensive to advertise. Nobody's going to lie about that, but the program that Steve put together is a more comprehensive, uh, be more structured and instructional and see cheaper than anything else you're finding out there. It's, it was crazy. So yes, I love ammo. Um, continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I joined the group back in 20 early 2021 and, um, implemented the program at that time, giving away the first book in my series. I have eight books in my latest mm. series, and I was giving away the first book and then upselling my other novels beyond that. And that uh, was profitable for a few months, and then it started kind of tail off. And as I mentioned, I was driving traffic to Amazon because all of my yeah. books were exclusive. And as you know, that's uh, that requires running traffic campaigns versus purchase campaigns on yeah. Facebook where you uh, the the algorithm doesn't get the purchase information um, mm -hmm. that they really need to uh, for my Facebook advertising to be more effective. I don't yeah. get the customer information. Uh, I have to pay Jeff Bezos 30% on every book yeah. that I sell and he doesn't pay me for 60 days. So there are some limitations to that approach. The good yeah. news was I was um, had a lot of page reads on Kindle Unlimited. I was doing over a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand, excuse me. Yeah. Over a hundred thousand page reads a day. And that was fairly wow. lucrative, but, but again, yeah. it started to fall off. So I, um, I went to a number of different 
approaches to marketing. I mean, I've been selling my books for 20 years, so mm-hmm. it's really only in the last three years that I've been working with the ammo program. But Absolutely. just this past spring, I decided to reload my, uh, my program and a new Shopify store, set up my Facebook advertising, just purchase campaigns to drive all my traffic to my own store, change the product offering, change the pitch. Mm-hmm. And it was immediately profitable. And I've scaled up pretty significantly in just the five, six months that I've been doing it. Very wow. excited about it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I am I am in the boat still where I'm trying to figure out uh, how to do it well. I've been profitable for stretches and then uh, not profitable for stretches. I think on the whole, at this point, I've, I've lost money so far. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty difficult, I think, to find all of the different moving components, even with the training in the program. How do you size your audience? Uh, what's the right ad spend? How long do you run an ad? If you see fatigue, do you turn it off right away? Do you let it kind of like go through cycles? And I think all of us have some different experiences. What has been the most effective thing for you? Are you a patient person where you see things maybe trending the wrong way and say, Hey, maybe it's a moment, or are you a responsive person where the moment you see the the results kind of going off track, you adjust? Yeah, I you know I actually monitor things every day, but I try to be uh, patient yeah. and uh, let the the system run as it's supposed to. So, as an example, I kicked this latest program off in April. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, just one U.S. campaign. I had four or five audiences and ad sets testing um, creative that I've used for years. So, I, you know, I had tested creative. I knew what was resonating with my audience. But I had different audience ad sets to really determine where the sweet spot was. And um, very quickly, I saw that um, a very broad target audience uh, was very effective and I had one other ad set that was targeting my genres, kind of stacked interests to my genres. And uh, those two were performing very well. I continue to run those today. I had three or four other ad sets that were retargeting, lookalike, other interest mm. audiences. And all of those were much more expensive from an acquisition cost standpoint. Yeah. And I fairly, within a month or so, turned those off. So literally mm. since April, I've been running one campaign, two ad sets, one ad in each ad set. I have not changed the ad. Wow. Um, and it continues to get better. The algorithm is uh, continuing to get smarter. There's thousands of purchases now, so they really know yeah. who my audience is, and they're delivering that message every day to new people and retargeting people that have shown some interest. I, I think their retargeting is probably better than mine was, why I turned it off. Um, it was funny. I was just on the um, coaching call with Steve the other day, and we looked at my Facebook platform, and he was kind of surprised as well that I hadn't touched anything for four or five months, and yeah. the uh, that it was continuing. The acquisition cost was continuing to go down, which wow. is a good thing, and um, the cost per thousand was going down. The conversion rates were improving, so it's really a testament to letting the Facebook algorithm do its work. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, it could all crash tomorrow, but um, it's been pretty consistent. Yeah. There's a couple of cool things uh, about what you're talking about is that with each 
uh, acquisition that you get each new reader that you you bring in the door through this system, you now have their email, which means anytime that you release a new book now, you can let them know. Uh, and and your purchase numbers are going to be a lot better even than than Facebook in terms of the people who are going to be excited to read the next book from you. So you're, you're collaborating with Facebook uh, and building um, a loyal audience for your future books, which is kind of uh, recession-proofing you in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it, you're, what you were doing before with Amazon, it's really cool. 100,000 page reads a day is, is absurd. I actually can't even think in numbers that big quite yet. But uh, all those people came and went and you knew nothing about them. You never right. learned anything about who they were. They may still be around. They may not be on your email list, or maybe now they've jumped over on your email list. We don't know. Uh I guess one of my questions, because you've been in the program for several years, probably on and off calls a little bit, um, what have you seen as a pattern for people coming into the program where, you know, there's a lot of frustration versus the people who succeed? Are there any things that just leap off uh, the, the top of your your mind that, that you're like, when I see people behave in this way, they prime themselves for, for success? Yeah, there's a couple of things. One is I think the... Uh, there's, there's two different approaches, as you know. One is to offer a free book to get someone's email, and then you immediately, there's a jump page that cross-sells additional novels, and that's where I started in it several years ago. And it, again, it was, it was effective to a point, and then it fell off very quickly. And what I found was, at least for my books and the way I had a package, people were content to get the free book, read it, and then maybe decide mm -hmm. if they wanted to order more books. So I was getting yeah. very low conversion of uh, that first doorbuster purchase, as we call it. Excuse me. Yeah, you're fine. Um, so the second time around, and I, and I see that in the coaching calls that I sit in on, a lot of people are taking that approach. I'll give away my first book, and then I'll upsell four or five or six novels right away. And the conversion is is tough to um, to make profitable. The other approach is the direct sales platform, which you you've been hearing a lot more about, where you yeah. do the um, your Facebook advertising goes to a sales page on Unbounce, yeah. where you have the offer. And I, in my case, it's for both an ebook package uh, and a paperback package of uh, four ebooks uh, plus a, a free novella that introduces a series for. $14.99 is the offer okay. uh, or three paperbacks for $29.99. And um, if the customer clicks that link, they go directly to a checkout page. Yeah. Uh, and if it loads, the discount is automatically loaded. They just have to put in their payment information. You're out of sale. And the conversion rate is significantly higher. I'm, I'm up around 25% a day of people who click my unbounced page. Uh, go to my checkout page, about 25% will convert. And interestingly, uh, about 20 to 25% will also take a checkout upsell, which is the second four books in my series for another 14. So that has really helped profitability. Uh, so as I, as I listen to the coaching calls, a lot of the people that are, are trying to do the free book giveaway, while you get a lot better response up front, and you get a lot of people on your email list, many, many don't go on to purchase. Yeah. And we call them freebie seekers. They they may not really be ideal prospects for long-term 
customer uh, relationship and, you know, purchasing your subsequent books versus this direct sales platform, right? which is really streamlined. It's just a few clicks and they own your books. And uh, I found that to work much better. Yeah. I've had uh, several people in your position who are, are very successful with the program on the podcast. One thing I, I haven't talked enough about, and, and if there's not a lot here, we can move quickly through it. But one of the things I am curious about is with your email list, how assertive are you about emailing people? Uh, are you emailing your list multiple times a week, uh, every other week? What's your what's your rhythm? And, and can you give me kind of a, a skeleton of the types of emails that you send out? Sure. Um, so I have a welcome sequence for every new reader. So when they order my eBooks or my paperbacks, they go into a, we use Clavio mail system, as you know, yeah. they go into my welcome flow, so to speak, one for paperbacks and one for eBooks. And they receive uh, an immediate thank you and uh, the links to download their books. If they are, uh, if they're eBooks, Actually, the paperback readers get the free novella as an ebook as well in that first thank you email. And it just kind of lets them know how the process is going to work, how their books can be downloaded, or when their books will arrive if they order paperbacks, and thanking them for um, their interest in my stories. And by the way, you've only ordered the first four. If you want to take advantage of this special offer to buy the rest of the series today, it's you know just another $14.99. We do get pretty good up uptick on that. That's um, so that welcome sequence is day one. And then day three, there's another email that goes out. Just want to make sure you got your books. Um, reminder what the stories are about to encourage them to start reading. So, you know, a lot of people have books on their nightstand stacked up waiting to read. So you really want to encourage people to get started reading. Uh, so that's the second email. I think another week later, they get another email in that flow that talks more about the stories, encourages them to uh, to read. There's an opportunity to purchase other books in the series, et cetera. And I think the, the next is about 30 days out, and you assume they're pretty well into the series by then. And uh, I have another series of books, earlier series of books that I cross-sell to them, and they uh, start to see some uptick on that. So those are the welcome flows. Yeah, I also use all the Clavio um, suggested flows like abandoned cart and uh, browse, abandoned browse, and, um, one year anniversary. There's a ton of those oh, flows nice. that are built in. Um, so those are kind of the automated emails. But then I have a newsletter that okay. I call behind behind the scenes, and I send it out periodically. There's no set schedule. Mm. Typically, it's about once a month. Okay, it will um, have an update on where the next book is and like I'm, I'm launching a new book next month in my Hannah and Alex series. So I just revealed the cover and the title this week in my newsletter. And, uh, and of course encourage people if they haven't gotten through books one through eight, here's, you know, a special offer to get caught up before the new book comes out. Yeah. Um, but, but I also use that newsletter um, just to provide some insight and I call it the writing life. So I'll talk about the writing process or if I've traveled to a location to do some research for a book, I'll talk about that. Mm. Uh, so it's just an opportunity to kind of build the brand around yeah. um, what I write, why I write it, where, what, you know, the locations I write about, that sort of thing. But of course, there's always 
an opportunity to further the customer relationship with the next book sale and so forth. What I really love about what you just said is that um, in the very beginning of this podcast, I'd mentioned that there's not a whole ton of stuff on social media uh, that's like brand building for you. And it's so, so smart the way that you're doing it because you're building your brand with the people who have bought your books. So those are the people who are going to get to know you and know you better. Um, And you're not wasting a bunch of time on people that you don't even know know, what their commitment to you is. I I really like it. You've started the relationship off with them committing to read your books, and then you're giving yourself to those people who are reading your books and enhancing that experience. So for anybody listening, um, probably consider that. Uh, actually scaling back from social media might not be the worst idea ever. I'm sure it's working for a lot of people, but uh, when I see the numbers on ammo, I'm I'm blown away. And uh, you're somebody who has it really dialed in and working. Let's lighten it up a bit. I want to ask what got you into writing? Why did you start? Um, do you, is your whole mission to entertain or do you, do you like to deliver any kind of messages through your books? How layered are they? How much do you think about fast paced action? I know I'm throwing a bunch of questions at you, but just yeah, trying yeah. to kind of prime that pump to, to think about that process a little bit. Yeah. Well, I started writing back in college and uh, as many things, when you're younger, you don't always get things completed. And I had several novels I started back in school that never got past 20 or 30 pages. And there's something about turning 50, which was for me about 20 years ago, actually. Wow. Uh, you look at your bucket list uh, items and uh, say, I better start checking some of these off. And one had always been to, to finish my first novel. So that was in hmm. uh, 2005. And I went back and picked up a book I'd started in college and took five more years actually to finish it. I tried for years to get an agent and went through that rat race and yeah. eventually uh, published independently, which was a great decision in, yeah. in hindsight. And it kind of launched my, my writing career. I now have three books in that early series and eight books in my current series with a ninth coming out next month. And you ask about the type of story. So they're mystery and suspense novels. They yeah. have this most recent series there about an attorney, Hannah Walsh, and a Charleston cop, Alex Frank, who um, fight crime and corruption in the low country of South Carolina down in Charleston and along the, the Atlantic coast there. And of course, they have a, come to have a romantic relationship. So it's about their story as well as the, you know, the mystery of whatever crime they're involved in. And I've, I've always liked to tell stories that um, are kind of surprising um, twists and turns. Uh, certainly surprise endings, characters that you re- really kind of deeply develop. So people come to connect with them, particularly when you're writing in a series, you, you want likable characters that people look forward to reading about again and again and again, yeah. which, which is happening with Hannah and Alex. Now. And, and I also like to write about interesting places and really go into a lot of detail about the settings of my books and really kind of helps flesh out the story and gives it more context when uh, you can pick the low country is, is really um, conducive to that. And uh, uh, so it's been fun to write. I've, I, uh, these two characters have survived death uh, dozens of times. So it begins to uh, become more challenging. How are they going, you know, how are they going to survive this next one? So, but people enjoy that and it's necessarily realistic, but Mm -hmm. it's fun. Yeah. 
and I, I my books are also I would call them PG thirteen. Okay. Uh, not graphic violence or um, mm. intimate sex scenes. I try to keep it. Yeah. I started writing. I wanted my teenage kids to be able to read my books. And uh, yeah. I wanted, wanted my mother to be able to read my books. So yeah. uh, she was actually one of my editors early on. Awesome. She was, she was a writer. So, you know, the books that appeal to uh, primarily women, uh, my mm-hmm. audience uh, tends to be women 55 mm-hmm. and older who read a lot, which yeah. is not you know, that's pretty typical for independent authors to find their audience there. Yeah. Men do read my book. I don't target them specifically in my marketing because it's much more effective yeah. kind of going after this reader audience that loves to binge read, mm-hmm. you know, eight and 20 novels yeah. uh, in, a, in a series. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an interesting question. One that I've been asking myself as I'm, as I'm going through the ammo process is, uh, maybe my stubbornness, in fact, I, I can guarantee my stubbornness has hindered my success. Um, my novel is a mystery like yours, but, but rated R and, and pretty, I mean, it's quite graphic, actually. Um, <laughs> some people have noticed that and, and said, I wish I was a little more prepared. And so I work on that messaging a little bit too. The yeah, reason I say that, though, expect, yeah. yeah, exactly. I want, I want, I want to know, like my audience is still out there. There are people reading, um, my, my work and interested in it. Uh, but, I've gotten a little off track. So basically what I'm saying though, is I decided to take this book and I knew that there was serious potential in it, but I also liked the ending of the first book. It was left open to the reader's interpretation, kind of like that movie Shane, if you ever saw that, where is he alive or dead? You're not really sure. It's kind of one of those. It's conclusive, but the reader gets to decide how things go from here. Uh, And I liked that. When I turned it into a series, that was the first compromise that I made to say, okay, ammo works really well with series, so I will write a series, but I want to write it this certain way. Um, and I found along the way that I have a bit of, I know this will sound high flute, and I don't mean it that way, but I have an artistic vision for what I want to do here. And so I've started to mm-hmm. think I'm using every tool that ammo has and all of the principles it has to build a slightly different funnel. And I think I'm going to lose more money along the way to figure out how to reach my audience and speak to those mm-hmm. people. But I guess uh, in in me telling you all about that, I'm also asking, are there points for you where you write into your audience because you want to continue to satisfy them? Or are there ever points where you think, wow, this might stretch them, but it's something I'm really convinced I want to do in this book? Yeah, you uh, you run a, a kind of a narrow line of writing to market, which is yeah. profitable, and yeah. um, and and not sacrificing your you know your creative um, inspiration. And I try yeah. to balance that. Um, people have it after they've read a couple of your whoever's books, they have an expectation. Yeah. You can't steer too far from that. They go, "What the heck's what happened to Anna? I thought she was this <laughs> kind of a person." You know, right? And, yeah. Uh, so um, that's, you know, it's a bit of a limitation, but I think you have to kind of come to love your characters and mm-hmm. love creating new scenarios uh, to challenge them. And that's fine. I do, I do some other writing that allows me to kind of go in different directions. Nice. I have a standalone novel I wrote a few years back that I think was probably my best book. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't market it actively yet because it's a standalone and mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to get that to be profitable. Yes. But, um, but it's when I want to step away and do something different, I have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, who knows how long Hannah and Alex will survive 
I'm trying to do two per year right mm-hmm. now, which is a good cadence for me. Yes. And um, we'll see. I may, I may come up with a new idea tomorrow and start off in a whole nother direction. Yeah. Have you read James Lee Burke by any chance? My favorite author. Yeah. David Robichaud is probably the greatest character. And again, an author that likes, likes to really bring the setting into yes. the story better than anybody I've ever seen. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love, I just recommended to my friend, Heather, the book, the, the neon rain. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's got, I, I have a hard time saying a top five. It returns to me constantly. The, the plot of that book, how Dave starts out, who he is. I was thinking constantly when you were talking about uh, how many creative ways can these people almost die? The Bobsy mm-hmm. twins. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just no more fun than watching all of the different things they get in. And to me, Cletus Purcell is one of the more memorable memorable characters ever created. So uh, I love it. Um, Would you consider those maybe a little closer to rated R? He does have some, some kind of more graphic sex scenes Mm -hmm. um, and kind of language, a little bit of graphic violence occasionally. I don't know where I'd place them. That's what, what are your thoughts is in terms of they're, they're a bit further down that um, road, not, not excessive. I don't think. And, you know, there would be, there would be members of my reader group who would not, uh, want to okay. go that far? Yeah, probably. Although you know, I only get you know, I get hundreds, if not thousands, of messages, and once in a while, I'll get someone saying, you know, is there foul language? Is there whatever? And mm. They're concerned about that, but it's yeah. it's relatively uh, very little of that. So I may be surprised that my audience would be more tolerant than I think. I'm sure it's a yeah. a range of of reactions, but uh, mm-hmm. but no, I love James Lee Burke. I I hope yeah. he keeps writing. I've read all the books. Um, I've yeah. listened to most of them as as audiobooks because yes. he has a Will, Will Patton. Will Patton, Will is, Patton is the best yeah. audiobook narrator that has ever lived. Yeah. Now, the second best is XE Sands. She reads my books. Uh, I love her. So, what's um, her name? XE Sands. Uh, if okay. you ever need a female narrator, uh, she she is phenomenal to work with. Um, in fact, I'll just I'll send you a copy of my yeah. audiobook for yeah. reference. Um, I'm working with. Um, I got picked up by an audio publisher a few years ago, and they're doing all of the Hannah and Alex books. And together, we selected um, Emily Sutton Smith, who does uh, a lot of um, does a lot of you know high profile authors' books, and yeah. I really like what she's done with them. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll probably keep that going. Yeah. There's another, another book and this is now we're just talking and people are, are, are listening yeah. to us having a conversation, but there's a, a book by an author named Dennis Johnson. If you've run into him, he's literary kind of university. Um, he wrote a, a short novella called train dreams. And it is again, another one of those top five kind of books for me just always mm-hmm. returns to me. Will Patton narrates it. Uh, and there's this memorable scene where the main character comes across kind of a, a bum who's on his like, deathbed more or less and he asks for a drink of water out of a a boot he's got a boot and so the narrator takes down fills up the boot and gives him a drink of water out of the boot and the way that Patton narrates it is just phenomenal it's it's beautiful I love it so much so um (laughs) that's going nowhere but yeah he's he's really good you know my Uh, I guess my my other uh inclination would be to write spy thrillers and I actually have one started I love uh Daniel Silva yeah, uh, and his Gabriel Alon series, is, I think, is one of the better writers in that genre. And, yeah, you know, it's tempting to go down that path. Whether or not my current readers would get excited yeah. about that, or not, I don't know yet. We have to test that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, uh, 
I hope you, I hope you take the risk. I think it sounds, it sounds fun. I've enjoyed this part of the conversation, just uh, taking a little bit of a rabbit trail. What would you say to the person right now who's listening and thinking, wow, I really want to make a living on my books. Uh, I've got a little series going um, and money's tight. Is ammo a good thing to do or what would be some, some prep type of things that someone might want to do to get themselves ready? Yeah, I, uh, I would uh, encourage people to take a very close look at it because it is such a focused program with a platform that you could never figure out on your own Yeah, in terms of identifying prospects, selling through, fulfilling, following up. It's mm-hmm. an incredible platform that, again, you probably know how to use all the tools independently, but syncing them all up so yeah. that it's a seamless funnel that, that, end-to-end that works is incredible. Um, and the investment, I think, is is well worth it. Actually, in the yeah. early days of ammo, it was, even, it was much more expensive. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, a kind of a different version available now. So mm-hmm. I invested quite a bit, and I, and I invested a lot in the early testing to make sure I was doing it correct. Fortunately, I was mm-hmm. able to get profitable very quickly. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think for new people considering the program, if you think about all the time and energy and money you've spent on BookBub ads and Amazon ads and all the time that goes into social media that has is such a time churn and has limited yeah. uh, impact, frankly, um, and all the other average, you know, the, the book newsletters that you can give your book away for free, and you can do a, a lot of that and find limited returns, frankly, in your time and yes. your investment. And uh, I, I talked to a lot of the authors in ammo before I committed and tried to understand how they were using the program, how they were packaging their books. And, and that was very helpful. So once you get involved, you have access to yeah. the other members of the program who are very open and what's working, what's not working. The coaching calls every week are incredible. Yeah. When you get to profitability on a consistent basis, you're invited to sit on the scale call. Yeah. once a week, which are the more established uh, participants. And we talk more about what's coming and mm-hmm. not as much about why is it my landing page yeah. you know, converting at 20 versus 21% or whatever. Yep. Um, and so it's a great consulting group to be involved in every week. And they're very open to sharing yeah. uh, their programs. And many of them are doing very, very well. I just got a... Um, an email, I guess I won't use her name, but she's a member of the program. Mm-hmm. She has her own. I've been following her, actually. Her book marketing platform is, is quite strong as well. And she, she coaches on Facebook advertising, Amazon advertising, email, a whole mm-hmm. range of book marketing. But she became an ammo author a year or so ago. And she, is, uh, she just had a $100,000 a month. She was uh, $40,000 on Amazon. And over sixty thousand dollars in her own Shopify store, you know, driven by her ammo program. So that's crazy. That's um, and I've seen a couple of the other authors. I think you've spoken to who have Mm -hmm. had you know periods of time where they've been doing that kind of buy. You know, another interesting thing when you when you get into this, which I guess I knew was going to happen, but um, you drive your traffic to your Shopify store and yeah. and that can be profitable on its own. But I saw my, I let my Amazon advertising fall off, all of my Amazon marketing fall off yep. when I was getting ready to relaunch this last spring. 
and uh, it falls off very quickly. Uh, yes. My Amazon sales. So I had kind of a base level of almost nothing in Amazon sales. Very, very quickly when I relaunched the Shopify program, my Amazon sales began increasing in mm-hmm. sync with that. And yeah. um, it's a significant part of the profitability now. I'm not in KU anymore. So this right. is all ebook sales and uh, paperback sales and audio sales. Yeah. Um, but so each day I track my own Shopify store and my ammo sales and look at profitability of both. And Amazon's really encouraging. You know, once you get back to level on Amazon where you're, you know, you're ranking high in certain genres, they'll start supporting the book. Yep. My books are number one in a couple of genres now. And I'm not even marketing to Amazon, but I, I can see days where they're obviously sending emails out about my book because there's huge spikes. And yeah. I haven't done anything. And they're, and they're making money on you. So they, it's in their best yeah. interest to give you free ad Absolutely. dollars. I've heard that from a few yeah. people. I, I've never gotten to the point where I'm spending enough in daily ad dollars that I've seen that cross-channel sales bump, which is something I definitely look forward to. Like I said, I, I've been stubborn. Yeah. And so I probably have not read the science as well as I should. Um, it does remind me, though, one of my continuing questions is uh, the book covers I have are representative of uh, Raymond Chandler um, and some of those early hard-boiled detectives, because that's mm-hmm. very much mm-hmm. in line with the tone and style of my book. Um, yeah. I love them. I get a lot of feedback from readers and people who have actually bought and read the books that they love the covers. But I also have gotten some feedback from people who are very successful doing what we're doing here in Ammo, who say, you might want to consider changing your covers. Mm-hmm. Your your covers are incredibly consistent um, and they 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 are dialed in in such a way that I feel like you've done a lot of thought uh, thinking about making covers. One, who designs your covers? And two, what would you say to people? Uh, have you ever experienced a book not taking off and, and, and altering a, a cover and seeing it do better? Or what's your experience there? Yeah, going back over the years, I used to hire book designers for the first mm-hmm. series that I was doing. And then even this Hannah and Alex series. And I honestly never was happy. They, yeah. they really look kind of formulaic and yeah. stock, so to speak. And I just couldn't find a designer that I was happy with. So I started doing it myself. Yeah. And early, the early covers, not very good at all. And quite yeah. honestly, they've gone through 20 iterations to yeah. get where they are today. And um, I do try to build that consistent look. Mm-hmm. I've patterned them after other authors that have been successful in this genre with the series. So yeah. They're not a direct takeoff on anybody, but they have elements mm-hmm. of um, imagery and typeface and colors and such mm-hmm. that are consistent with authors that I know are doing really, really well, particularly on Amazon, where a small thumbnail image, you know, yeah. has to sell your book. Right. And uh, even even in our marketing and our Facebook ads on our landing pages, you know, the covers are are typically quite small because yep. you're many times showing a bundle of books and to get them all on the page, they have to be fairly small. So they have to work in that thumbnail size, be, you know, very quickly communicate what the genre is, kind of the, the sense of the story. And um, for readers who get into the series, I think they like the, the continuity yeah. of the, of the look and feel of the books as Absolutely. well. So that's kind of how it got to work. So I use Canva. Mm-hmm. Um, I do all of my covers there. Uh, I do um, 
uh, all the all the versions. Actually, I send that cover out off to my audiobook publisher, and they have somebody that converts it uh, for the audiobooks. I don't do those. Oh, nice. Okay, but for paperbacks and ebooks, I do them all. That's cool. I, that's encouraging to know. I, I I stood for a very long time in this podcast uh, telling people pay someone to do your cover because uh, professional cover design is your first impressions. I continue to to get feedback that that's not the case. That that very well selling authors are designing their own covers, um, and so I, that's that's a a balm to me. But it also means again pay attention to the feedback. If, if a book isn't selling, maybe, maybe something needs to change with the cover. Uh, I'm trying to think. No, about I've it. actually yeah. seen that particularly. In, and it's so easy to change, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that imagery on the covers is so important. And I've, I've put out a couple of new covers in the last couple of years that for whatever reason, weren't selling, weren't converting uh, mm. at checkout page. And, and uh, and I and I changed them, you know, until yeah. I got back to a level that I was happy with. So that's a good thing about it. On Canva, you can change a cover in ten minutes. Yeah. Go to the go to the Amazon Kindle Direct platform, reload it in ten minutes. Yep. Order new paperbacks, and you're you know you're good to go. So yeah. We are we're bumping up against forty five minutes. I've got longer if you do, but I do want to make no. sure I ask the important question here uh, that that we've kind of hovered around and never gotten into. When it comes to paperbacks. Are you fulfilling them yourself or do you have a partnership with a distributor that distributes them for mm-hmm. you when they're, when I'm ordered? Yeah, we're, we're doing it ourselves. I say we, my wife is my yeah. uh, chief um, financial officer and my yeah. chief shipping officer. So yes. every morning we go through the, the orders, we print out the, the paperback orders. I sell a bundle of three books. Mm-hmm. And so we package those. I also sell a signed paperback, uh, signed first you know, the first book in yeah, the yeah. series, I sell a signed copy mm-hmm. as an upsell, but also as an individual item, we sell quite a few of those. Um, so we'll package those up as well. So it's really not that difficult. I order my yeah. books uh, for Amazon author copies. Mm-hmm. I've, I've uh, gotten quotes from a number of printers and Amazon yeah. has still been the, cheapest. Uh, yeah. the best uh, price and a good quality book as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we package them. We have uh, we use Shipping Easy, which is the sale the, the the shipping platform to produce labels, pay for media mail postage. Mm-hmm. We slap the label on the envelope, put the books in. I have a personalized note that I sign to every reader that goes out in the books. It gives an opportunity to again build a relationship. Yeah. Uh, has a little link on the bottom where they can buy more books, of course. Yes. Um, so it's it's a bit of a hassle. Every day you have to run to the post office, yeah. drop off boxes of books, but it's a yeah. good problem to have. And oh, yeah. you control the you control the process. I'm hearing a lot of authors the last few weeks talking about Book Vault mm-hmm. coming to the US yep. as a viable option that I'm going to look into. Yeah. Um they I guess they've been pretty successful in UK. Mm-hmm. And um I think a number of us are kind of kicking the tires to see if book thought would make sense. Yeah. My, my, I'm just looking at the, the Facebook group uh, for, for this. A few people have said they've gotten quotes or looked at pricing and that they're, were discouraged by the pricing on book vault. I haven't looked into it. So okay. it's something I need to, for, for my to-do list. Um, I do like Amazon. I was just talking with my friend Rich yesterday uh, about a, a number of different things and uh, he and I have both had this experience where you order a box of books from Amazon, the author copies. And the only downside is 
I have noticed I get a high number of damages that that come from their shipping, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure uh, if if there's some insider baseball on the amount of books that you should order uh, to get the best boxes. Because sometimes you'll get those boxes that are shipped to you, and they're they're the team lift boxes. I think you've probably seen them before, yeah. and it's like a guarantee when I get a team lift box, I'm going to have damaged books in there, and it frustrates yeah. me. Um, it's it's a big waste of time to get the refund. I've never had them deny me, but you know. Yeah, I've been lucky, I guess, because it, in the last six months, we've had three books damaged, um, mm. you know, the thousands that we've ordered. Wow. So we've been really okay. lucky. And I noticed they were sending those huge boxes, which are impossible to lift. And yeah. I'm sure it dropped. And recently, we, our last order, they came in with a much smaller, like half-size boxes okay. with only 30 or 40 books in them. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, much easier to handle and I think probably less prone to yeah. being dropped and, and damaged. Uh, so I've been very happy with Amazon so far. And the pricing yeah. is very competitive. Yeah, I do. I'm happy about the pricing. Do you do hardbacks at all or have you stay, stayed with uh, paperbacks? Just uh, the first book in my series is available with hardcover on Amazon. And I actually do get a few orders a week for that, but they're distributed nice. by Amazon. Yeah. Um, I don't offer them on my website. Uh, yeah. On my own website. Yeah. yeah. That's a, a bucket list thing for me is that um, uh, when I feel like I've really established myself to have um, like FSG grade pay, uh, hardbacks, I, I personally read more hardcovers than anything else. I really like the feel of a hardcover in my hands um, compared to a paperback. I don't I don't like the, the 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 cover to be flexible. I'm not sure why. It's just an aesthetic thing for me. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to to one day have the dust jacket and kind of the whole feel of that that book. But that's kind of down the line, I, I think, yeah. for me. So just have one commemorative copy, if nothing else, right? It, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I do think of these things too. When you have printing mistakes uh, or your cover doesn't come out, the colors are a little bit wrong. You order your author copies. Um, I'm always intrepid in ordering without checking to make sure everything is right. I don't order a ton the first time around, but if a new book's coming out, I'll get a, a case of them. And sometimes there are printing issues and I say, ah, this is a limited first edition, first printing, mm-hmm. you know, and try to build the value up around it. So, sure. Um, do you know, the do, other thing I would yeah, say that ahead. people should be prepared for is that if they go into the program is you do quote, own the customer. You, uh, yes. you, you, be, you become very personally connected. They have, they have your email, you have theirs, excuse me. Um, and as a result, you get a lot of customer service kinds of, uh, yeah. I call them oppor- opportunities. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so every morning I'm spending an hour, sometimes two hours in customer service issues, mm-hmm. whether it's I, wow. I ordered, uh, I thought I ordered paperbacks. Okay. And I really want, you know, I, I don't want ebooks. I really, so that's a continuing issue that we deal with every day Um, or I want to order more books. I don't know where to go or is a a thousand things. Yeah. And I, it it can be tedious after a while. Yes. Um, And yet I look at it again as an opportunity. I don't think many readers get personal emails from the authors that they, you know, that they read. I know James Lee Burke has never sent me an email. (laughs) It'd be cool. (laughs) That's right. I know. I know. uh, He doesn't, he doesn't do that. His publishers handle all of yes. those issues for him. Yes. Um, so it's a it's a blessing and a curse. It's great that you know who your customers are. You continue to communicate with them, but they're going to reach out as well. You have to deal with their issues. And, uh, you know, I, I find it when you're very responsive and I, I monitor email every day. I monitor Facebook and Instagram where, where mm-hmm. my ads are running. I get a lot of comments there. Hey, I didn't get my books. 
and they'll put that on Facebook and I, I have to deal with it right away because I don't want people to think there's, you know, something uh, uh, inappropriate going on that it's a scam or something. But right. I say, oh, by the way, Dolores, actually your books were sent to you in an email on August 23rd and yeah. I just had book funnel resend them today. Yeah. Look for them in the e-box and, and your, your email. And, um, so I, I, I spend quite a bit of time on it and you just yeah. have to work that into your schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think. There was somebody who just commented on one of my ads. Uh, I, I'm just getting inundated with uh, all of these authors uh, saying they're going to sell their books direct and, you know, just list your books on Amazon, for goodness sakes. I'm not giving into these scams. And I replied back and I, and I said, my books are all listed on Amazon. They're just yeah. about three times as expensive because I have to give away 70% of my earnings to, to Jeff Bezos if you buy them from Amazon. So I need yeah. to make a living, you know, and I, I went through that explanation and basically said, uh, you can, you can support me and buy directly from the store, or you can support Jeff Bezos and I'll get a little bit of the cut. Um, and, and then, right. you know, like just thinking about the the reality that there are still people who are very dialed into thinking like any ad on Facebook could be a scam. It's, it's strange, but I think the tides are shifting. We're seeing a lot more people sell direct in this manner. Um, I think that's basically it as far as like process questions for you go. I was curious, do you do public events at all? Do you ever get out uh, in the community? Is that more of a local thing or not lucrative enough to uh, dedicate the time to? You know, I, I early on um, in my writing career, I did a lot of that and I was yeah. trying to sell into uh, bookstores in Michigan. So I was actually traveling bookstore, pitching my yeah. books, trying yeah. to get them uh, to stock them. And, and many did, but what I found, and I was doing book signing events and, yep. uh, and it's, it, you feel good about it, but then you sit there for two hours and you talk to two people yes. and you sell one book and yeah. you think, boy, this was really not very yeah. productive. And once I drove three hours to a, a book signing at a Barnes and Noble and I set up ready to go at 10 o'clock and uh, there was a bunch of people waiting outside the door. I thought, wow, uh, this is great. Yeah, it's going to be the awesome. Marketing worked. All these people are here to see me. And they, they open the doors and all these people come rushing in and they go right to the front desk. And it was the day of the release of the next Harry Potter book. Oh. And they were all there to get their next Harry Potter book. Wow. I don't think I talked to I don't think I talked to two people all day. Oh. And I had to then I had to drive three hours home and I got a speeding ticket. So was, <laughs> that might have been the last one I did. Um, oh, that's really something. The, the other thing I used to do a lot of uh, women's book groups. I would uh -huh. offer to uh, attend in person. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, this was years ago before Zoom was really a thing. Yeah. And um, again, it was fun. And I sold, you know, eight or 10 books to that group of, of women. And uh, they probably bought a few more of my books, but you just can't scale that. It's, yeah. I'm not, I've actually offered, I had a woman buy my books the other day. I'm sorry, my phone keeps ringing so much. You're a popular guy. It's all right. Um, I, I just recently offered, I had a woman buy the books and said, I'm going to recommend the books to my reading group. And I just, in a weak moment, I said, well, you know, I occasionally do Zoom calls if you'd like me to call into your next book group. Yeah. I haven't heard back from her yet. But, ah. um, you know, a lot of our authors um, in MO have a, a live Facebook group mm -hmm. and they communicate with their subscribers and uh, yeah. seem to think that that's a productive program. I haven't really looked into that yet. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I am the more that I've been doing all of this, the more I want to move away from as much social media commitment as possible, because I really don't see uh, the 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 turnaround. What I will say, for example, this podcast uh, does not sell books for me. I don't sell my own books. Uh, people who appear on my podcast don't tend to sell books. I look at my download stats. I have plenty of people listening, but this is uh, an author specific podcast. And so, you know, you're not going to see that kind of movement there. And, and I realize, like everywhere I go, my, my organic posts are not sales assets. And if I can stop thinking of them that way, I think it really will benefit me and use advertising to, to build. And then like you have done so well is once they're already in, in the family, so to speak, or one of the readers, then really build into those people. I think word of mouth can do something really great for you. If you build loyal readers inside Mm -hmm. of your, your net, and they might actually start to promote you on their social media. Then you have a huge win because you have people doing work for you um, happily. Yeah, I do see that in the Facebook comments. Um, again, for the advertising that I'm running, I get all of the comments and the shares and yes. the likes to look yes. at, and I respond to those when they do comment. And I, I take the time to respond to everyone, even the negative. Um, you know, I'll occasionally get, well, I was really disappointed, you know, and I'll, I'll send a nice note. I'll say, hey, you know, not all books are for everybody. And uh, yeah. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy the story. Here's some of my other books you might want to check out. Use that <laughs> as an opportunity to... Yeah to uh, not give up, but most of them are positive and you respond to that. And I see lots of likes and shares where um, readers will recommend their friends buy the books as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. Terrific. Terrific. Uh, So I will run um, links in the podcast, the show notes to your website. If you want me to uh, include your doorbuster dealer here, you can, like I said, I don't tend to move a lot of books through the podcast, but People yeah. will get excited about it. I think yeah. Jonathan Yanius uh, and Jennifer had a, a decent um, little brief boost. Um, mm-hmm. They are very active on social media. So maybe they're the uh, uh, thorn in my side for this whole conversation. Um, that, that can work as well. But uh, let everybody else know where you want them to connect with you uh, if if they do want to learn more. Yeah, I will send you uh, the link to my Shopify store. But uh, I'll send you the URL to that, which is where I drive all of my traffic. And uh, that's where the uh, not only the the pack, the bundled offers are there, but also the oh, individual perfect. pricing discounting course in, in, in your store. So Shopify Excellent. is a great platform. I've really, yeah. I used to use Sam Cart for checkout and mm-hmm. they have their benefits, but I found that Shopify is much better integration with mm-hmm. Facebook, with the yeah. Clavio mail system. And, um been very happy with that. I like Shopify as well. Very good. Thank you for your time today, Michael. Really appreciate you uh, sharing with the listeners your experience of ammo and just being a, an author and, and, and on the journey. So uh, let's do keep in touch. Let's do that. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?